Hey, hey, do you remember when life was better somehow? And every TV sitcom theme sounded kind of like the one that I'm singing now. Schoolhouse Rock and Just Say No, MTV and G.I. Joe, and drinking from the garden hose. Now that we're older, stuff is just fading from memory. And no, it's not because we're all about to join AARP, but someone's gotta remember it all before it up. Save Generation X is filmed before a live studio audience. Hello, and welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Xavier Host, and today we are back with our next single-player edition of the game that we call The Home Game. This alternative format of the show gives you a chance to play at home, with a friend, or by yourself, as well as giving you your fix of Gen X trivia in between regular episodes of the show. Here's how we play. Each episode, we invite a special guest and let them set the benchmark score for you to try and beat. Each round has a different game for you to try out, and at the end, you can compare your score with that of our special guest benchmark and earn your rank on the quiz. Happy anniversary, everybody. This is our three-year anniversary show. It's hard to believe that it's already been three years, but here we are. I am thrilled to say that this episode, we once again have a live studio audience joining us for the game and to celebrate this occasion. The audience is made up of our Patreon supporters and former guests on the podcast. It is an exclusive group that we welcome to join during the recording of these kinds of shows. And it is one way that we show our gratitude to those who support the podcast through our Patreon account. Thank you all very much. We would be honored if you would join us. Look, the show would not exist without our Patreon supporters. So thank you for your generous donations to the show. Most podcasts never make a dime. And in fact, most lose money. But I'm grateful to say that so far, we can afford to pay our own way for the production of the show. We hope to one day make this a career out of the podcast and bring you a new episode every week. But for now, we're just happy to see the podcast grow and say thank you to the friends that made this all possible. Speaking of which, I'd like to say thank you to a friend that I made through the show who made the theme song that you heard at the beginning of this episode. Shout out to you, Stephen Cox. Thanks for writing and performing that song. The spirit of that song was ripped out of every 80s sitcom I've ever heard growing up. Thank you so much. We are honored to have you lend your time and talents to elevate the podcast. Thanks so much. Let's start the home game. Our special guest this episode is an undefeated two-time champion on the podcast who has beat his opponents by a combined 169 points. 169, dudes! I am honored to call him a personal friend of mine. Please welcome back to the show, Tyler. Hi, Tyler. Thanks for being back on the show. Hi, Zabe. Thanks for having me. You are not our all-time point leader on the podcast. Is that Tommy you... McGrath? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but you are the all-time point differential leader. So I, I think it's going to be a challenge for the listeners to beat you here today. I'll take whatever I can get. Tyler, please say hello to the listeners. Tell them a little bit about yourself and how you feel about setting the benchmark score for the episode. Hello, listeners. I am a mid-generation Xer. I am about the same age as the kids from the Goonies. <laughs> Somewhere between Chunk, who is the youngest, and the, and then the other three that are about the same age. I'm, I'm right in that age group. So when that movie came out, it was made for me. Tyler. Yo! 
As far as the benchmarks concerned, I'm glad I don't have an opponent here with me tonight, so I can just assume that I beat everyone out in America. But I'm pretty sure there's going to be some some high scores out there among your listeners, so I don't have to hear about it directly. Well, you're not just competing against America. We also have our two British listeners and the two British listeners. Yeah, correct. They they might just (laughs) stomp you. We'll see. So listeners, see if you can outscore this undefeated two-time champ who wins big or see if you need to go back and refresh the memory of the cool stuff of your youth. The power struggle. We open this episode with a game we call the power struggle. And in this game, you need to name these five quick clips in the order that they are played. The clips are made up of a combination of Gen X movies, music, TV shows, and other random stuff from our culture. If you get all five correct and in the correct order, then you'll be bumped up an entire letter grade and rank at the end of the quiz. Think of it sort of as an extra credit question to help you out with your score. If you don't know it right away, don't worry, because we'll play the clip a few times during the episode. So listen close and see if you can solve the power struggle. What should I do? First thing you should do is get even with Kent. It's a moral imperative. Yeah. Yeah! Oh! <laughs> hey, laser lips. Your mama was a snowblower. Reach out, reach out and touch someone. Reach out and touch someone far away. You know, Tyler, as Gen Xers, we have all experienced moments in our lives when we just don't want to deal with other people's garbage. In these moments, we sometimes throw up our hands and roll our eyes and say, whatever. To honor that time-loved tradition of Generation X, if at some point during the episode you feel somewhat apathetic about answering questions, you can use your whatever lifeline to appeal to the live studio audience we have here tonight and ask them to give you a clue that could help you answer the question. So, audience, be ready to give Tyler a clue should he ask for it, and we'll see if our audience is indeed clueless or not. Whatever. Tyler, you get one whatever lifeline per round. So use it wisely, but, you know, make sure you do indeed use it. There are a total of 29 points available in the episode, so everyone, please keep track of your score. Enough talk. So that's enough talking about it. Let's do it. It's time to see if you can save Generation X from being forgotten. Round one. Round one is our trivia round. Each complete correct answer is worth two points. If you think you could convince the judges into giving you a partial credit for your answer, you can award yourself one pity point for your partial correct response. We'll use the honor system here. Good luck. Here's your first question, Tyler. It's titled, And I Can't Live Without It. It's a movie question. Comedic genius Mel Brooks, irreverent humor and satirical wit challenged societal norms while keeping the audience howling with laughter. Brooks created some of his best work during the Gen X timeline. Movies like Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, and especially Spaceballs. We're the Spaceballs! And Spaceballs. After Eagle 5 runs out of fuel and crashes on a desert planet, they take off on foot looking for help. Lone Star tells them to take only what they need to survive. Here's your question. What was in Princess Vespa's large trunk carried through the desert by Barf and Lone Star? Here's your multiple choice options. Is it A, her extensive shoe collection? B, an industrial sized hair dryer? C, Dot Matrix's husband, which was a disassembled droid voiced by Don Knotts? D, a can of liquid Schwartz? Or was it E, a series of increasingly smaller trunks with the smallest one containing a set of shower curtain rings with the words printed on them, Spaceballs, the shower curtain rings. We're the Spaceballs! All right, I think I have the answer, not because I can actually remember the scene, but for some reason, hairdryer comes to mind. I think the only reason the hairdryer comes to mind is because that's the correct answer. Awesome. Well done. That's two points. Here's your fun fact. An industrial size hairdryer B, option B is the correct answer. Did you know that the escape pod launch sequence from this movie is actually unused clips from A New Hope from Star Wars, from the actual movie? It was provided to Mel Brooks by Lucasfilm. 
George Lucas is famously a fan of this iconic Star Wars parody. This movie was also made during the time in John Candy's career where he had it in his contract that he had to have some scene where he carried an oversized trunk around with him in every movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is the best. I could have carried two or three of these. Oh. We're the baseball! Well done, Tyler. Here's your next question. It's called, what does the barn door say? This is a toy question. One of the rare toy questions we have on the podcast. Founded nearly 100 years ago, the toy company Fisher-Price has had some involvement in early childhood play for pretty much of every living generation. In the 50s, the company released its earliest version of the Little People figurines. And by the time Gen X came along, the toy line saw a surge in popularity. These charming, chunky figures and playsets became synonymous with the formative years of many of us Gen Xers. The first Little People playset, the Play Family Barn, was released in 1968. The set included a set of barn doors that, when opened, made a specific noise. Do you remember what noise the barn doors made? Is it A, a cow mooing? B, a rooster crowing? C, it didn't make a specific noise. I just wanted to have a question about Fisher-Price Little People in the episode. Or is it D, did it make the sound of your dad yelling at you for letting all the cold air into the house and shut that door right now? Oh, I, I had this barn. And, and ours, at least, mood when you opened it. Mood is correct. Well done. Two for two. Like many beloved toys and treats from our childhood, little people would go on to cost the company millions in lawsuit settlements. For little people, this was due to the choking hazard that the small toys created. That angry looking kid with the freckles and the sideways red hat fit perfectly in the child's trachea, apparently. The figurines went through a major redesign in the early 90s, and millennial kids will remember the toys as being a bit larger and much chunkier. Look, if they didn't want us to stick these toys in our mouths, then they shouldn't have made them look so delicious. Judge Wapner would definitely disagree with me, however. The next question is called The Greatest Earthquake Ever Known, which is a TV question. The Land of the Lost followed the family's adventures after being transported to a mysterious and prehistoric realm grappling with both dangers and discoveries. The show premiered in the 1970s and became an instant fantasy sci-fi classic. Like many TV shows of its era, Land of the Lost's theme song came with a, a bit of a lore drop, setting up its premise for the audience. According to the theme song, how many feet below did Marshall Will and Holly's little raft plunge? This again is a multiple choice. Is it A? 1,000 feet, B, 2,000 feet, C, 3,000 feet, or is it D, 69 feet? 69, dudes! I'm trying to sing the song in my head, and I don't remember there being a number said. 1,000, I don't remember him saying tooth. No, I'm going to go with 1,000 feet below. I'm going to go with A, and I'm going to use my whatever in a minute. Okay. Was that 1, a mistake? 000, uh, no, <laughs> well, it's, no, a no. Great, it's a great move by you, because it's correct. Awesome. He struck their tiny raft and plunged them down a thousand feet below to the land of the lost. 1,000 feet below is the correct answer. Option A, well done. Way to figure it out. Here's the fun fact. Aside from dinosaurs, which were sometimes predators, sometimes pets, Marshall, Will, and Holly had to sometimes defend themselves against slee stacks an alien race of reptilian humanoids, sometimes in large numbers. In actuality, there were only three Sleestack costumes that ever existed. They needed tall, intimidating figures to get inside these costumes, and producers found one that I think we can all agree fits the bill. 
A then 18-year-old, but future two-time NBA champion with the bad boy Detroit Pistons, Bill Lambeer spent a season on Land of the Lost as a sleestack. Lambeer was not a trained actor, but said it was easy for him to play an evil, cold-blooded, reptilian humanoid looking to cause harm to children. We have not seen that kind of acting range since Whitney Houston's role of playing a pop singer in the movie The Bodyguard. <laughs> now see if you think Lame Beer fouled him if you're watching Prime Ticket. Wow, is that a foul? How can you complain on that? I, I'm absolutely appalled. He hit him on top of the head. He hit him with the body from shoulder to knee. He didn't bite him. How do you really feel about that play, Chick? I think it stunk. Uh, here's the next question. It's called Small Ferocious Animals. This is a movie question, and this is where you, I predict Tyler will use his lifeline. Here we go. Let's see if I'm right. Capturing the fears and tensions of the era, the 1984 cult classic Red Dawn follows a group of resilient teenagers known as the Wolverines as they fiercely fight for their homeland. The movie presented a gripping hypothetical invasion of the USA by Soviet forces and captured the imagination of a generation growing up during the Cold War. Here's your question. Can you name four of the members of the Wolverines? We will accept any combination of character or actor names. Or actor? Or actors. Oh, hot dang. I got this one. Oh, You wow. got C. Thomas Howell. You have um, Patrick Swayze, Jennifer Grey, Leia Thompson, uh, Charlie Sheen. That's Wait, five, right? Charlie Sheen? Was it not Charlie? Why are you doing that to I'm me? just answer, asking. You. Yeah, it's Charlie going, Sheen. No, no. yeah. It's, I'm just yeah, trying to screw with you. Yeah, yeah, it's Charlie Sheen. I'm just trying to make you doubt yourself, Tyler. That uh, That's a total dunk. Yeah, absolutely. Well done. Thank you. I, I guess we should have asked for character names. Can you do character names? Uh, there's Danny. Yes. And um, I don't <laughs> uh, I don't remember all the characters' names. Did you say I don't know? I said I don't. Did I say that? I said I don't oh, remember. Oh, you said I don't remember. That's right. Or maybe I said I well, No, you said I don't remember. Can you do four character names? Uh, I, I need more time stewing in the answers. Uh, okay. Jed was one of them. Yeah, that was another one. And uh, is it funny? We've all seen that movie a bunch of times and the character names are like totally, you know, it's because it's the, the character types they played that was important, right? The jock, right. the big brother, right? You know, right. it's whatever. Yeah. For those playing at home, we had Patrick Swayze played Jed Eckert. Charlie Sheen played Matt Eckert, his brother. C. Thomas Howell was Robert Morris. Leah Thompson was Erica Mason. Darren Dalton as Daryl Bates. Jennifer Gray was Tony Mason. Brad Savage as Danny. Doug Toby played Arturo Ardvark Mondragon. There has to be a story behind that name. And finally, we had Powers Booth as Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Tanner, RIP Powers Booth. We would have accepted him as a, one of the Wolverines. At the time of its release, Red Dawn was considered the most violent film by the Guinness Book of World Records at a rate of 138 acts of violence per hour, or 2.23 per minute. A nod to this was in the 2007 DVD Special Edition, which includes an on-screen carnage counter. Wolverines! Well done, Tyler. You mowed through that one. Judges, did you need a lifeline like I predicted? Damn it. Okay, here we go. The next question is called The Love Boat is All Around, which is a TV question. Whether you knew him as Captain Meryl Steubing or Murray Slaughter, if you're a Gen Xer, odds are you were a fan of TV actor Gavin McLeod growing up. But did you know many of his castmates from The Mary Tyler Moore Show also starred on The Love Boat? Can you name which of these actors from The Mary Tyler Moore Show did not appear on The Love Boat? The Love Boat had a huge anthology cast, but which one of these Mary Tyler Moore actors was not a part of that? Lifeline, lifeline. <laughs> we'll, no, we'll, let's hear the list. Wait, okay. Go ahead, give me the All list. Right. Let's All hear right. the list. Okay. Is it A, Ted Knight, 
B, Betty White. C, Mary Tyler Moore. D, Valerie Harper. Or is it E, the little kitten that meows at the end of the closing credits? Reminder that we're looking for the actor's name. Is, is this my last question? This is the last question of the round, yes. I'm leaning Mary Tyler Moore, but I don't have any good information. She seems too classy and less desperate to do a guest <laughs> appearance on that show. I feel like I could I could see Ted Knight on there for some reason. I'm leaning Mary Tyler Moore. Does anyone want to help me out on this one? The only what one that I can think of that actually was on there was Betty White. I do remember an episode with Betty White. That, so you can eliminate her. Cross her as an... Okay, so now we're down to one and three. I uh, am 90% sure is Mary Tyler Moore. You're 90%. Okay, then I'm... I'm going with Rachel's help. I'm going with Mary Tyler Moore on this one. Mary Tyler Moore is correct. Well done. Former castmates sometimes found themselves reuniting on the set of The Love Boat since the show relied heavy on guest stars each week. On one episode, both Florence Henderson and Robert Reed, Carol and Mike Brady from The Brady Bunch, were guest stars. Their characters only interact in one scene where they bump into each other at the buffet, exchange a questioning look, and then shrug and move on. <laughs> The judges are telling me that uh, we would also have accepted the kitten that meows at the end of the closing credits and not to be so dismissive of the acting skills of cats. Before we start round two, let's take another listen to the power struggle. What should I do? First thing you should do is get even with Kent. It's a moral imperative. Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> what? No. Hey, laser lips. Your mama was a snowblower. Reach out, reach out and touch someone. Reach out and touch someone far away. Round two. Round two of this episode is a game called The Audience is Listening. In this game, I'll play a piece of music, and you need to tell me what specific movie it's featured in. After I play the track, you can... Judges? Uh, you can choose which clue to help you, but the clue you asked for in the question will be worth fewer... Done? Nick, can I continue the show? Okay, thank you very much. As I was saying... In this game, I will play a piece of music and you need to tell me what specific movie it is featured in. After I play the track, you can choose to ask for a clue to help you, but for each clue you ask for, the question will be worth fewer points. For example, if you get it after one clue, then it's worth three points. Two clues, two points. And if you need all three clues, it'll be worth only one point. However, if you can get the correct movie title with no clues at all, you'll be awarded a bonus, whatever lifeline to use during the game. Okay. We only get one of these bonuses. So here's your first bit of music. Listen up. Tell me what movie this song is from. Do I lose points if I guess, like without asking a question? Nope. No, no losing points. Are they working on the car in Better Off Dead to this song? Judges? That is incorrect. That's okay. It costs you nothing. Here's clue number one. The movie came out in 1984, and it is listed as an action drama family film. Does that help you at all? No hints, pauljpowers.com. Well, unless I want to use my whatever lifeline. Use, uh, you can use your whatever lifeline, and it'll be worth uh, three points right here if you can get it. Although you say uh, family adventure. I'm it's an action drama family film. 
action drama family feel like vacation or something. I'm actually going to go to Jay Powers and do a lifeline now while I have a okay. chance. He seemed right. confident. Or maybe I should. He was clapping like he knew. Okay. How these are supposed to work is you're supposed to pick somebody. Last time, everyone just kind of shouted stuff out, which is fine because it worked out. But uh, normally you pick somebody. So you're picking pauljpowers.com? Maybe I shouldn't. He looked He looked like he knew something when I when I, when I he was... Anyways, well, yeah, let's try it. Let, maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to go for it. Okay. Pauljpowers.com? Yo. Pauljpowers.com. That's what's, me. What's your lifeline? Okay. This sounded like a cruel summer, but... <laughs> um. Uh, what's a what's a hint? Uh, without giving is is if I say the word Miyagi, Karate Kid. <laughs> That's not. Too- <laughs> I mean, you could have gone wax on, wax off. I mean, bonsai. The bonsai. Yeah. There you go. Bonsai would have been a good one. But, not the yeah. name of one of the main characters in the movie. <laughs> I mean, it's not the title, so it's judges. Are we going to accept that? Eat the leg, Johnny. There you go. <laughs> Get him a body bag. There you yeah. go. Okay. All right. Credit kid is correct. Well done. That's three points for you, Tyler, for getting on clue one. But let's go through the rest of the clues for the listeners to see where they would have got it. Clue two was supporting cast members include Larry B. Scott, aka Lamar from Revenge of the Nerds, also in an uncredited role. The movie features the late, great Bob White. Clue three was starring roles includes William Zapka and Elizabeth Shue. And Karate Kid was the correct answer. Here's the fun fact. Bananarama's song Cruel Summer is featured in the movie when Daniel and Allie, with an I, are at school during P.E. Daniel gets tripped by Bobby while they're playing a game of soccer. And then in typical Daniel style, he has to throw some gasoline on the situation by tackling Bobby and punching him in the face. A totally reasonable response to getting tripped. As mentioned in hit number two, this movie has a man named Bob White who was uncredited in the movie, but played one of the referees for the All-Valley Karate Tournament. Bob was a real-life karate legend in Southern California, and it turns out that he was also the father of one of our former guests here on the podcast. Her name was Aaliyah, and she was uh, one of our guests in the Halloween episode back in 2021. Sadly... Her dad, Bob, passed away this past year, and we wanted to let her know that we were thinking of her, and we send our condolences. While doing research for this movie, we looked in for Bob's name on IMDb, and we didn't find it. We found entries for Yahoo number one and Yahoo number two, Lady with Dog, and Boy in Bathroom, but not for the karate legend who was a referee in a movie about karate? Look, if this was a George Michael biopic, then Boy in Bathroom 100% needs to get a credit. But it's not. It's a karate movie, and the real-life karate dudes need to get their love. So we would like to announce that we have petitioned IMDb to add the name Bob White to their list of official credits on their website entry for the movie. We have filled out the necessary forms to make this happen, and we are awaiting to hear back from them. With even a little bit of research, they should see that Bob deserves to have his name along with those who contributed to the movie. If IMDb has listed credits for Chicken Boy and Guy at Halloween Dance, which are actual credits listed on the site, then they can spare a spot for Southern California karate legend Bob White. We will update you as the details become available for our petition to IMDb. And we are confident that they will do the right thing and we won't have to escalate our campaign to get Bob's name on the list for their website for this classic Gen X film. The ball is in your court, IMDb. Make us proud. <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for indulging us on that. But now let's see if you know this second song. Here we go. Listen closely, Tyler. Tell me what movie featured this song. Hey! 
What do you got, Tyler? Mannequin. Holy crap. Mannequin's correct. Well done. With no clues, you got it. That gives you a bonus whatever lifeline to use at any time, including the power struggle at the end of the show. Here, let's go through the clues real quick to see if our clues would have helped our listeners and audience. Clue one was this movie came out in 1987 and is listed as a fantasy romance comedy. Uh, Comedy is a bit of a stretch, but just because you try to be funny doesn't mean that you are a comedy in your movie. Just saying. Supporting cast features characters with a dude named Hollywood Montrose and a dog named Rambo. And if you didn't get it by then, we said that the uh, starring roles included Andrew McCarthy, Kim Cattrall, and James Spader. Mannequin was the correct answer. Well done, Tyler. I'm surprised. I didn't know if you'd even seen that movie or not. It it had a short run in the 1980s where it ran on HBO like continuously for like three months. (laughs) It was one of those, wasn't it? I certainly didn't see that in the theater. And it was PG something, so I was allowed to watch it. So we watched it over and over again one summer, probably. Nice. I have not seen it since, if that's what you're... I have not seen it in the 90s or more recently than that. Same. Uh, Here's the fun fact. Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by the band Starship is playing during the end credits for this movie. Even if you never saw this movie, like many of us, the music video was on regular rotation on MTV and is cut with scenes from the film in the video. That's how I mostly remember it from the music video. As we said in the clue for this movie, it tried desperately to be funny by telling these kinds of jokes. I didn't know there was danger of invasion. There's no danger of nothing as long as me and Rambo are on patrol. Rambo? Yeah. I call him that because he likes to draw first blood. Hilarious. As we also mentioned, Hollywood Montrose is in this movie, played by longtime and talented actor Meshach Taylor. Meshach was also in the sequel for Mannequin 2, but, but sadly, Meshach Taylor's brothers, Shadrach Baker and Abendigo Candlestick Maker, did not get roles in this movie. <coughs> okay, judges, you can't start off a question with criticism about a movie not being funny and then give me lame jokes about the Old Testament Bible humor. Do better. Apologies for that last one. We wrote it at two in the morning and we all know that things sound much funnier around that time of night, which makes me also think that this movie was clearly written at 2 a.m. Here we go. And here's our last song in the round. It's a little long, but listen closely. Hey, Tyler, what do you got for this one? This is the last one in the round, by the way. Yeah, but I used my lifeline already. But I oh, have a bonus right. one. Bet. You do have um, a bonus one. Is anyone looking confident like I should use a lifeline? <laughs> you have three clues as well if you want to get less points per. Mm. No one's looking real confident <laughs> on my studio audience. I, <laughs> I, I have a good idea, but give you one clue. The, the kind of crappy... I'm going to save it for the power struggle. We have one more round besides this, right? Uh, in, yes. in the power struggle? Uh-huh. Oh, sounds like Night of, <laughs> Night of the Comet or something. Um, <laughs> Judges, is it yeah. Night of the Comet? No. It oh, oh, that's my Okay, that, that's no. my Night of the Comet. Nope. Oh, you've seen this movie. I yeah. have? Okay. 
You seen? Let's hear the first clue. Let's. We're gonna go one point less. We're gonna lose a point. You know, you're not losing folks at home a chance to beat me. You're not losing a point, Tyler. It's still worth three oh, points. Oh, that was a bonus right. point. Oh, yeah. yeah this the is for the then. whatever lifeline. So you're yeah, not okay. on anything. That's why I was quick on the buzzer. Yeah. Clue one. This movie came out in 1984, and it is listed as a drama, musical, romance movie. And I say the romance bit is the most unbelievable part of this movie. Drama, musical, romance from 1984? Mm-hmm. Then my last sentence doesn't help you even a little bit. <laughs> it's just my own personal dig at this moment. Well, let's get full points. I, I'm going to have to use my lifeline now because I'm not going to get it on my own. And I got some confident listeners here. All right. Whatever. Who so, are you going to go to? Jim seemed like he knew. Mitch knows as well. Mitch knows okay. as well. Fine, Mitch. Let's give you a shot. Mitch, what What? What do I... Some clue? Some hint? I can't tell you the answer, but I have to give you a hint. A clue. Not a hint. Right, a right. Clue. right. A clue. Okay. Don't well, say I one know. of the name of the characters from the movie. <laughs> okay. Now that's that's different than knowing the answer. Coming up with a clue. What do you got, Jim? <laughs> have you ever played chicken with tractors? I like that oh, clue. I like that. Uh, Judges, good clue. For sure. Oh, thank you. How many movies has games of chickens with tractors? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm hold one. On. The answer is one. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't think of more than one. Chicken with tractors. Oh, oh, oh. Is this Footloose? Mm. Is it Footloose, judges? Well done. It is Footloose. You know, one of nice. my uh, Generation X disqualifiers is, I don't think I've ever sat down and watched from start to finish Footloose. You've never sat down and watched it because when that movie plays, you got to get up and dance, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Hey, thanks for the help. <laughs> Let's go through the other two clues to see where everyone else would have got the answer. Clue two was supporting cast members include Chris Penn, Sarah Jessica Parker, and John Perryman in the role of Fat Cowboy. Clue three was starring roles include Laurie Singer, John Lithgow, and the great Kevin Bacon. Footloose was the correct answer. Here's your fun fact. I hope Lori Singer is not listening to this episode. Ariel is played by Mark Singer's little sister, Lori Singer. And I would never do anything to belittle the Beastmaster's sister. And in no way is this comment directed personally towards her. However, there's also no way in the world that Ren McCormick is going to have a romantic relationship with Ariel Moore. Ain't no way, no how. The chemistry between them is off. And it takes me out of the movie every time I sit down and watch it because I don't dance. Every other girl in this movie is clearly a better match for Ren. And we're supposed to believe that a guy like him is going to fall for a girl like her? I don't think so. This has bugged me for decades, but I guess the casting directors might have had the same thought. Here is their list of actors they wanted to hire before they got to Laurie Singer, which is, deep breath, (gasps) Daryl Hannah, Elizabeth McGovern, Melanie Griffith, Michelle Pfeiffer, Jimmy Lee Curtis, Rosanna Arquette, Meg Tilly, Jolie Louise Dreyfus, Heather Locklear, Meg Ryan, Jennifer Jason Lee, (gasps) Jodie Foster, Phoebe Cates, Tatum O'Neill, Bridget Fonda, Lori Laughlin, Diane Lane, Brick Shields, all were offered the role of Ariel, but turned it down. Laurie Singer got the last laugh for landing the lead in this iconic 80s movie. And looking back at some of the other actors on this list, it would truthfully feel weird having them in her place. At the end of the day, it all comes down to how the character is written, I guess. But it's good to know that there were others out there that wanted it better for Rin as well. Dancing in the Sheets by Shalimar can be heard during the scene where they go to get some fast food, play some video games, and Ariel busts out some smuggled cassette tapes, if you remember that scene. The whole joint is dancing and having a good time until John Lithgow cuts the party short by stopping the boombox and offering Ariel some spending cash. This scene is one of the best in the film, however, because of the tension that John Lithgow creates with so few words. And you can see his personal conflict between his love for his daughter and the convictions of his beliefs. 
And it's good storytelling as well, with the faint sound of a train whistle being heard in the background, illustrating the limited authority of the preacher and foreshadowing the location of the prom at the end of the movie. What are you doing? Muggle tapes. Hey, you be careful with that. Your daddy hears you playing, it'll bust your butt. Ha! <laughs> Your mother didn't think you had any money with you. I love that scene. I think it's just great. Okay, we're going to take another listen to the Power Struggle clip before we start round three. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Land of the Lost will return after these messages. If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from, and subscribing for future episodes. The only way a show like this gets anywhere in the podcasting world is by positive reviews and word of mouth amongst friends. So if you're so inclined, please help spread the word about the podcast and share it with that special Gen Xer in your life. We'd love to have you as a friend of the show. Thanks so much. The Power Struggle. What should I do? First thing you should do is get even with Kent. It's a moral imperative. Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> hey, laser lips! Your mama was a snowblower! Reach out, reach out and touch someone. Reach out and touch someone far away. Round three. Round three today is a brand new game we are unveiling to celebrate our third anniversary. Here's how we play it. Just about everything we talk about here on the show is from 28 to 53 years ago. And sometimes it's difficult to remember the details about stuff from so long ago. In this game, a member of our live studio audience will give you a poorly written description of something from Generation X. And you need to tell me what they're talking about. We call this game, What You Talking About? What you talking about, Tyler? You will score two points for a complete correct answer, but the judge's pity point rule is available should you need it. We have pre-selected some members of the live studio audience for you to pick from. So Tyler, when you're ready, pick the member you want to ask them, what you talking about? So we have Darren, PaulJPowers.com, the great Mitch Porter, Kevin, my fellow nerd, and Cassandra from Light Shadows. All right, let's, uh, let's hear it from Darren. Describe something poorly to me. Come on, Tyler. What? Oh, uh, what you talking about, Darren? There you go. <laughs> a teen drives a funny little sports car to save his parents' marriage before it starts. A teen drives a funny little sports car to save his parents' marriage before it starts. That sounds like Back to the Future to me. Is that what you're talking about, Darren? That's what I'm talking about there. Nice. Well done. So that's All two right. points. What you talking about, Mitch? All right. So I was told I need to give you a little help here. So uh, this is a movie from uh, 1985. A college professor gets his top students who love to ice skate to make a sizable bowl of popcorn with their final project. Uh, That sounds a lot like real genius. Mitch? That is correct. Oh, I was going to say what you're talking about. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> too late now. It's okay. Are well you done, talking this- about real genius? <laughs> Two more points for you, Tyler. All right. I think I have Kevin next on my list. What you talking about, Kevin? (laughs) This uh, falls under the category of movies. 
The sidekick with a massive ego and main character syndrome misses the big fight, saves the girl with green eyes, then drives away into the night in the Pork Chop Express. Uh, right. That's uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Is that what you're talking about, Kev? That's it. Well done. Two more points. Nice. Uh, all right. We're going to Cassandra. What you talking about, Cassandra? Okay. <laughs> the category is toys originally. Okay. Diminutive plastic version of the kind of pet many kids would wish for, but is now mostly associated with a specific type of bro. It's my favorite question in the whole round. <laughs> Can you read that to me one more time? I, sure. I need a little help. Diminutive plastic version of the kind of pet many kids would wish for, but is now mostly associated with a specific type of bro. I think Dr. Robert just got it. <laughs> uh, I've got a hint if it's needed. Bro, where's she going with this? But someone knows. Um, I'd like to toss. I'd like Dr. Robert to give me a, a clue. What? You need I think he's choking. Can someone do the Heimlich on Robert? I need him. Rob, you need to just come up with a clue. You can't tell him the okay, answer. Okay, never mind. We're going to go with someone else. He seems to have passed on. <laughs> Are we having technical difficulties? No, you're not having technical difficulties. Okay. I'm just having a very difficult time thinking of a clue that didn't, wouldn't I got you. hand it over. Rhymes with schmelephant. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an animal you would normally find as a household pet. Good use of your whatever lifeline. But many girls want one. Ah. It's diminutive plastic pet that a lot of people would like, but you can't really have. And something about bro. Oh. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad everyone else is solving it. This is. Tyler, you might be better off not knowing that reference. Oh. <laughs> Am I supposed to give my hint? Oh, wait uh, a minute. Is this well, a. I, okay. I want to give the answer, but I okay. now that that's my clue. Is, is it a rabbit? Is it a rabbit? The famous Gen X toy. <laughs> you said it's better. I don't know it. And that, <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Is the Gen X toy rabbit? Is Tyler finally going to get one wrong? I'm sorry, Tyler. That is incorrect. Just for funsies. Uh, Cass, what's your, uh, Cassandra, what's your, your hint? It was originally a toy, but later a cartoon. And the cartoon is the bro connection. I'm still lost. I'm getting zero okay. points on this. It rhymes right. with phonies. <laughs> My little ponies? Yeah. Where yeah. does the bro come into that? Cassandra, bronies. Can, a, a brony? Can uh, you feel Tyler in what a brony uh, is, Cassandra? Okay. I'm living in a bubble. I don't know what a brony is. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, the cartoon that caused the brony connection was more of a millennial thing. Right. And it, oh gosh, it was like friendship something. Friendship, friendship is magic. Is magic. Thank you. I was going to say friendship never ends. But for some reason, a group of relatively young men in their teenage to like early 20s years just latched on to this cartoon and they literally have started a fandom and they call themselves bronies dressing like their favorite ponies they're in love with the concept of the friendship and the expression it, it seems quite for the most part quite wholesome there's that's very sweet that's very sweet it is very it's sweet weird but it's cool very weird but also very sweet hey uh, men can enjoy my little pony as well all right it's just fine Moving on quickly. Uh, Paul J. Powers. PaulJPowers.com. All right. Your category is Miyagi. <laughs> no, sorry. It's <laughs> toys. <laughs> toys. All right. Toys. All right. Here's your clue. 
coveted babies grown from a garden. Uh, those are the Cabbage Patch Kids. Well done. That's it for the round. We just have the power struggle left to solve. Let's listen to one last listen of the power struggle and then get your answer. What should I do? First thing you should do is get even with Kent. It's a moral imperative. Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> hey, laser lips. Your mama was a snowblower. Reach out, reach out and touch someone. Reach out and touch someone far away. Hey, Tyler, one through five. Let's hear him. All right. One uh, is down under. Who did down under? Who? Uh, men at work. Okay. Uh, number two is real genius. Uh, number three is the A team. Uh, number four, I think, is short circuit. Do you want to use your lifeline here? Or do you want me to press the button that's a ding or an X. I'm just curious. Uh, does anyone seem confident about that one? Or do you think I'm just screwing with you again? You're just screwing with me. I'm going to go with short okay. circuit. And number <laughs> five, it's a phone company. I it's. I think it's going to be AT&T. Is it AT&T or is it Bell Telephone? I was actually thinking, is it GTE? But I'm like, that's more <laughs> of a local thing. I'm going to go AT&T. That was more of the national brand. Judges, did he get all five correct and in the correct order? Well done, Tyler. You have solved the power struggle. Nice work. That's great, because the only other power struggle I've ever solved was like a week ago, like the Christmas one or something. <laughs> to my understanding, originally that theme song was for Bell Telephone, which merged into uh, AT&T, but that specific clip was taken from an AT&T commercial. We'd give you points for either one, but the absolute correct answer is AT&T commercial. Well done. Thank you, Susan, for coming up with that power struggle. Well done, Tyler. Tyler, first, thank you so much for lending your time and talents to the podcast. Did you have a good time on the show? I love this show. I loved being on it. I love listening to it. Thanks for putting it together. This is, uh, I, I'm always frustrated when I get in my car in the morning and there's not a new episode. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, thanks for letting me be part. <laughs> All right, everybody. Do you remember your score? There were 29 points available, but let's see how well you did and get the grades for the ranks. Robin, what was Tyler's final score? According to my count, he has 28 points. So out of the 29 points available, you got 28 plus the bonus. What's above an A? It's like those jerks at school who had like a 5.0 average. Like, how'd you even do that? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Uh, Tyler's it's, a doctor. It's so he was one of those jerks. It's <laughs> he was one of the jerks for sure. To Ralphie's teacher going around the room putting plus, plus, <laughs> right. plus, plus. That's what it is. Uh, there are 29 points available, but let's see how well you did and get the ranks for the quiz. If you're playing against our special guests and scored less than a nearly perfect score of 28 points, then you let this Gen X juggernaut beat you. And you might want to go back and brush up on the memories of youth. However, there's really no shame in losing to Tyler. So chin up. This episode, we're using the women of the movie Footloose scoring system to grade the quiz. <laughs> These are the ladies that made the film unforgettable. Let's go to the ranks. A score of 26 to 29 points is the grade of an A, and that urges you the rank of Rusty, played by Sarah Jessica Parker. Although she has very low dating standards in the movie and ends up with Willard of all people, she was by far the nicest, kindest girl in all of Beaumont High School. SJP certainly went on to have the most successful career after the movie, so we want to give the most successful grade of an A to you as well for doing so well on the quiz. Congrats! You're doing your part to save Generation X. Well done. A score of 23 to 25 points is enough for a B, and the rank of Buy More. The Preacher's Wife, played by the lovely and talented Diane Wiest. Sister Moore was 
critical to the decision to allow the kids to have their prom in the warehouse across from the tracks. She told that skag Eleanor to sit down and let Ren have his moment before the council. She was a kind and supportive wife to a very complicated man for 20 years, but the fact that it took her 20 years to speak up and help her husband make better choices knocks her down a peg in the ranks to earn only a B on today's quiz. A score of 19 to 22 points is enough for a C, and that gives you the rank of Cowgirl Bar Dancer, played by Allison Truce. What? You don't know who Allison Truce is or remember the character of Cowgirl Bar Dancer? Well, IMDB remembers her and saw fit to give her a credit on their website. I'm sure Allison is a talented actor and did great in the movie, but I also know that she is not a Southern California karate legend and a referee from an iconic karate movie. So if they can make room for Cowgirl Bar Dancer, then they can certainly make room for the great Bob White to get his proper credit for his role in The Karate Kid. We think even lesser-known Gen X roles deserve to be celebrated, so we give Allison Truce and her role of Cowgirl Bar Dancer a C on tonight's ranks. The score of 14 to 18 points is enough for a D, and that gives you the rank of Ariel Moore. What? After all that complaining I did earlier about this character, she's not the lowest grade? Question mark? Well, despite her not being good enough for Ren and behaving in ways that could have got her killed or her friends in horrible trouble, at the end, she made up enough good choices to support her friends and family and community. When you mix trauma and daddy issues together, it can account for some of the way that she was, and we think at least she tried to keep it real in showing that what becomes of some people when they don't get enough help that they need. Despite her troubles and flaws, she managed to hold things together and function, and sometimes that is harder than it would seem from looking from the outside. She did enough to earn a rank of a D on the quiz, but just barely. And finally, if you scored 13 or less, well, that's a failing grade, I'm afraid, as is your rank of all the other actors that turned down the chance to be in this movie by not taking the role of Ariel. We're looking at you, Daryl Hannah, Elizabeth McGovern, Melanie Griffith, Michelle Pfeiffer, Jamie Lee Curtis, Roseanne Arquette, Meg Tilly, Julia Louise Dreyfus, Heather Locklear, Big Riot, Jennifer Jason Lee, Jodie Foster, Phoebe Cates, Tatum O'Neill, Bridget Fonda, Lori Laughlin, Diane Lane, and Brooke Shields. You had your chance to star in a Gen X classic for the ages and turned your nose up at it. Some of you picked different Gen X classics instead, but none of them were as iconic as Footloose, except for maybe Daryl Hannah and Splash. I don't know, maybe. In any case, for giving a big middle finger to being an all-timer is an epic failure, as this is rate of an F for not getting more than 13 points on the quiz. Try again in the next episode for the home game and see if you can get a passing grade. Once again, I'd like to give a shout out to our special guest, Tyler, as well as our live studio audience for being on this episode of the show and celebrating our third year anniversary. On a personal note, it has been a life-changing experience for me being on this podcast for all of you for the past three years. I've learned a lot about our shared experiences of the past while making this show, but what has made the biggest impact on my life has been all the new friends that I've made with all of you who have listened to the show. Most of tonight's studio audience was a stranger to me at this time three years ago. My heart is full knowing that now I can call you not just listeners, but also my friends. Thanks for being wonderful these past three years. And here's to looking forward to more episodes that you might especially like. Especially like. Before we go, I have two shout outs to give. I'd like to give a huge shout out to Patreon supporter, PaulJPowers.com. PaulJPowers.com. Paul has been a Patreon supporter for a while now, and we're long overdue for his shout out, but it's with good reason. Paul, we know that you are a big fan of the 80s cartoon Voltron. So for yes. this special episode, we wanted to do something extra special for you for a shout out. We've put together a brief presentation of a, every formulaic episode of Voltron ever. 
If Three's company has the same premise of a misunderstanding driving the plot every episode, then Voltron had the same problem with the Voltron Force trying to defeat the giant monsters they fought by any means except for busting out their giant oversized blazing sword and cutting the monster in two. It's true. <laughs> they had the ultimate <laughs> finishing move. For some unknown reason, they never let off with that and end up into the fight in like two seconds. Yeah, every 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 episode is the same. I don't know why they they wait thirty minutes to use the blazing sword. You know, first of all, you know, trying to defeat a giant monster on their own as separate cats before even joining together. <laughs> but yeah, totally right. If you have Voltron at your disposal, you choose Voltron, right? Right. In any event, we've assembled a short radio play of that Voltron premise for you, Paul, featuring for the first time ever, the Who Will Save Generation X players. Yay! The players are my Gen Alpha daughter, Jane, former guest Keith, and fan favorite Robert, along with myself. To keep things simple, Jane plays Princess Allura, I am Hunk and Pidge, Robert plays the narrator and Keith, and Keith plays Lance. See? Simple. Guys, thanks so much for making this with me. It was a lot of fun. The clip is a handful of minutes long, so we're going to play it at the very end of the episode. So stick around for that. We think it's pretty fun, and we hope you enjoy uh, your shout-out, Paul. Thank you for all your support on Patreon. Oh, that sounds great. And thanks again for the shout-out. And congratulations on three years. Happy third anniversary. Our second shout-out is a long-distance dedication. Now we're up to our long-distance dedication. We have a Patreon supporter in the live studio audience with us tonight named Mike, who would like to wish his wife, Ella, a very happy birthday. They have taken the time to include this live episode into her birthday celebration, and we're honored to be a part of it. We would ask everyone to sing happy birthday to her, but the judges reminded me that this is not Chuck E. Cheese, and this shout-out is going to have to be good enough. Thanks for being here and for supporting the podcast on Patreon. Ella, after 26 years of marriage to Mike, it's fair to bet that he would still carry a watermelon for you after all this time. I carried a watermelon. Carried a watermelon. Happy birthday, Ella. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed playing along this episode of The Home Game, and we'll post your score on our Facebook group page. If you're interested in supporting the show and giving us a little third-year birthday present, we have a Patreon account set up for you for those who would like to take advantage of the special offers we make for becoming a Patreon subscriber. However, if you want to just send some love and appreciation for what we're trying to do here, we also offer a Venmo account, and you can send that to Who Will Save Gen X. Detailed information is available in the show notes for all these ways to send some love to the show. If you have any questions, comments, or shout-outs, or would like to sign up to become a guest on the show, you can email me at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback and invite you to become a friend of the show. Well, that's it for this edition of The Home Game. Thanks so much to all of you for listening wherever you are. We'll be back with a regular version of our podcast in the next episode where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. And here's the Voltron skit, everybody. And now, some scenes from the next Voltron. Lotar, a vicious villain but my favorite cigarette, has just released a horrific roby skunk to attack the five Voltron lions. Battle has begun, and things look bad for the Voltron Force. Uh, I can't believe my eyes! Believe it, hunk. That is a 120-foot-tall roby skunk, and it's about to be the end of us. Lance, don't give up hope. We're not beat yet. Let's just form Voltron and slice this thing in two with the blazing sword. Get real, princess. That won't work. 
Princess, this is Keith, and as leader of the Voltron Force, I say we give him everything these lions got. Shoot Stingray missiles. Ice rays. Uh, I beams. Ignite lion torches. Guys, let's just chop it in half. It would literally take like two seconds to win this fight with Voltron's blazing sword. The lion torches didn't work, but let me try them again. Nope, ineffective, just like before. Nothing's working, Skipper. Uh, we didn't even make a bit in that day. Uh, that's because we didn't use the blazing sword to kill that giant skunk monster. Look, if we just- Ignite lion torches. No damage. Its power is too great. The lions can't handle him. We've got to call on our last resort. Ready to form Voltron. Activate interlocks. Dino therms connected. Time circuits are on. Flux capacitor fluxing. Dino therms connected. Again. Infracells up. Mega thrusters are go. Let's go. Let's go. Voltron force. Form feet and legs. Form arms and body, and I'll form um, the, the, the head. Let's, Let's go, Voltron Force! Let's hit it, team! Finally! Ignite lion torches. Still no damage. How much more can this skunk take? Uh, shooting ion darts. Nope, that didn't work. I'm gonna try Geoforce Cross. Well, that was useless. I've got an idea, team. Let's try igniting the lion torches again. Nope. No damage. What are we going to do? Ouch. That skunk monster is raising its tail. If that thing sprays us, we're all finished. Really, guys? Just use the blazing sword already. Why are we waiting? There is no reason at all. We should not be using it right now. Read my lips. Blazing sword. Keith, it's sitting on our chest, crushing us. We're going to get sprayed. Should we try igniting lion torches? Uh, it got us good. What now? We'll need a miracle to get out of this one. Team, I have a risky idea, but it just might work. In fact, it's gotta work. Form Blazing Sword. Great idea, Keith. Yeah. Uh, why didn't I think of that? Blazing Sword is ready. Let's cut this skunk monster in half. Go, Go Voltron, Voltron Force. Go Voltron Force, I guess. Wow! That got him! Chopped him right in two! Great work, Keith! Ignite lion torches! No need for lion torches, Lance. Looks like our risk paid off and the blazing sword killed the skunk monster. Just like it destroyed the squid monster last week. And the squirrel monsters two weeks ago. And that platypus monster the week before that. Uh, and the chinchilla monster the week before that. I'm just glad that I thought of using the blazing sword before that skunk monster sprayed us. To get killed that way would really stink. <laughs> I knew I should have joined G-Force instead. 
Ugh. So, once again, the universe is saved thanks to the Voltron Force. Yay. That was fantastic. I can't imagine how long that took to edit. <laughs> it took way longer than it should have. I think it's skunk. <laughs>